Well, good morning, Gaten Church. It's so good to be back with you for those of you here in the room and for those of you worshiping online. So glad that, that we could reconnect and share this time together. Uh, this morning, we're going to begin a four-week worship series entitled The Lamp Stand. And to get us going this morning, I wonder if anyone here has ever been involved in the construction of your own home. If you've had one built kind of from the ground up where you had to be involved in all of the decisions that went in to your house. And I, I see that there are some here who have done that. And if you have been part of that, you know all that has to go into making that happen. You, usually it starts with you having a vision of what the house is going to look like, what the, what the rooms are going to look like. You envision rooms where you're going to prepare and eat meals together. You, you envision rooms where you're going to relax and, and maybe recreate as a family. You think about rooms where you're going to sleep, rooms where you're going to bathe. You've got to have rooms where you're going to store stuff. You've got to have rooms where you're going to park your car. You've got to have rooms where you may have views of the outside. You, you start with this vision of all of these rooms. And then you meet with an architect. And that architect becomes kind of your, your dream weaver. Takes the, the pictures and, and the ideas and the visions that you have and, and starts to put them into place. And invariably the plans get changed because you, you need to make this a little bigger. Or this needs to be a little smaller. We need to save some money over here. We want to put a little bit more into that. And the plans, they, they ebb and they flow and the plans are finally done. But that's really kind of the beginning. Because then once you know when construction begins, when those plans have to be put forth and, and footers have to be laid and foundations have to be, be done, and then the house starts to come together. And then you've got all of the other decisions that go into those rooms. How is each room going to be lit? Overhead or lamps? And okay, well, every one of those has to have some type of switch. You have to pick out every single switch every room is going to have a door on it every door has a doorknob you have to pick out every single doorknob every cabinet's got to have some type of handle or knob you have to pick out every single one of those and then there's countertops and there's appliances and there's what type of flooring and what's going on the walls and all of those decisions have to be made you have to be very attuned to the details when you're building a house. The scripture passage we're going to consider this morning has a great many details. The setting is Mount Sinai. The Israelite people are 90 days in their freedom, following 400 years of enslavement in Egypt. They are finally free. They've been free for three months, and they make their way to Mount Sinai. God has already given Moses the Ten Commandments. God has given Moses instructions on how to deal with grievances among the people. God has given Moses instructions on this is what happens when someone breaks the law. And, and so their relationship, it, it's coming together. And the passage we're going to read God is giving Moses instructions on how to build the tabernacle. The tabernacle is where they're going to worship. It's where they're going to make sacrifices to God. It's where they're going to bring forth their offerings. 
And so God has this vision of what the tabernacle is going to look like, and he gives it to Moses. Now, the passage we're going to consider is going to deal with one specific aspect, one detail of what's going in the tabernacle. If you have your Bibles, we're in the book of Exodus. It's the second book in the Bible, the, the second book in the Old Testament. We're in the 25th chapter, and we're going to be, begin reading with verse 31. Exodus 25, beginning with verse 31. Make a lampstand of pure gold. Hammer out its base and shaft and make its flower-like cups, buds, and blossoms of one piece with them. Six branches are to extend from the sides of the lamp, three on one side and three on the other. Three cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms are to be on one branch, three on the next branch, and the same for all six branches extending from the lampstand. And on the lampstand, there are to be four cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms. One bud shall be under the first pair of branches extending from the lampstand, a second bud under the second pair, and a third bud under the third pair, six branches in all. The buds and branches shall be of one piece with the lampstand hammered out of pure gold. Then make it seven lamps and set them up on it so that they light the space in front of it. Its wick trimmers and trays are to be of pure gold. A talent of pure gold is to be used for the lampstand and all these accessories. See that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So God is giving Moses a tremendous amount of detail as it relates to a lampstand. Now, part of what we didn't read was all of the detail that went into the tabernacle. I mean, God told Moses the exact dimensions that the tabernacle was supposed to be built. The square footage of the entrance. The size and dimensions of the most holy place, which was where the Ark of the Covenant a, a, a box that was made out of gold. This Ark of the Covenant held the Ten Commandments that God had given to Moses. And for those of you that are 1980s movie buffs, this is what Indiana Jones was in search of in Raiders of the Lost Ark, the Ark of the Covenant that had been built originally for the tabernacle. So God has given all of these details. He even talks about the, the dimensions of the curtain that's going to separate the, the high holy place from the holy place. Because in the holy place would be a golden table, dimensions provided. The altar of incense, dimensions provided. And the lampstand, the details of which we just read. God has a very specific purpose and placement for the lampstand. God has gone into great detail down to every last inch of the tabernacle and what's to go into it. And the lampstand is going to fulfill a very important role in the life of the people. Because in that holy place, the lampstand is going to be lit. And it is to represent the glory of God. 
So when worship was taking place, the lampstand was to forever burn to represent to those people the glory of God. Can you see why God went into such detail about how to, what it was to be made of, the pure gold, and how it was to be hammered out? And, and what each part of the lampstand was going to look like. It was going to represent his glory to the people. No doubt, he's going to be very specific. Now, some would say, oh, you know, why all the detail? Is it really necessary? It is. If, if you think about it, God is a God of detail. Think about creation. Think about what took place when he brought about creation. Think about the detail that makes you, you. You've been created in the image of God. So why wouldn't he put the detail into the lampstand that was going to represent his glory to the people? So let, let's think about ourselves for a moment. The detail that's within us and the fact that we have been made and created in the image of God. If, if, if each of us was to build a lampstand, if you were to build the lampstand that represented your life, how specific would you be? How detailed would you be? What would it be made out of? Would you light it? Where would you place it? When you built this lampstand that that is your life is it going to in any way represent and reflect the glory of God the detail that that God provides for this lampstand it is informative for us because the detail and the desire that he has for us to have that relationship with him. So th the question comes when we think about the lampstand that, that we've built or are going to build for our lives and, and where we're going to place it, you know, what, what does that lampstand represent for us? And what are we going to do with that lampstand? It's interesting how the lampstand comes about and, and how its purpose and placement is fulfilled because it takes everybody to make the lampstand fulfill its role. Because, see, the people had to bring the oil. You know, you can't light a lampstand without oil. And so the people were charged with bringing the oil. So all of the people would bring the oil, and it was up to the priest to light the lampstand. So they worked in concert together. We put that in today's terms. It, it's very much a good model for who we are as church. It takes a whole lot of people to bring forth the oil so that it can be lit to represent the glory of God. So way back in this book of Exodus in chapters that, that many people might skip over because they feel like this is just detail. It's, it's just kind of boring. But if you think about it, you know, the tabernacle was where they worshiped when they didn't have a permanent home. God gave specific dimensions for that. Knowing that they were going to go to the temple 
when they had a permanent residence, and that was going to be where they were going to worship. And eventually, God knew they were going to be in the church, the church of Jesus Christ. So all of this detail that goes into this lampstand in this tabernacle, which was a temporary place of worship, informs us of the connectedness we have as a church. Because it takes a whole lot of people bringing forth oil for energy in conjunction with the leadership of a, of a staff. To train, equip, and teach, and encourage, and share life. That we then have the opportunity to represent and project the glory of God. Now, the, the priest had another role but besides just lighting the lampstand, they also had to make sure it was in its proper place. God had a specific place for it to be within the tabernacle. So the, the priests were kind of the, the keepers of the flame, and, and they had to make sure that, that it was lit, but they also had to make sure that it was in its proper place to properly reflect the glory of God. So if, if we, as a community of faith, if we construct our lampstand and we light it and we put it in the wrong place, then we've, we've failed. We've fallen short of what God would have us do as a community of faith. And for those that were in charge of the lampstand, even back in the day when the priest was in charge of it, we can even think about it today. If if I, as the, the, the interim here, if I were to take control of this lampstand so that it could shine on my face and reflect on me and cast my shadow, we would be in a world of trouble because it's not about me. It's about the glory of God. And we've all experienced Religious leaders locally, nationally, who, man, they love that lampstand. They want to carry it out in front of them so they can shine on their face, so that it can cast their shadow as opposed to the glory of God. No one, no individual, regardless of their role, whether they're part of a church staff or whether they're part of a praise team or a choir or whether they're Sunday school teacher or deacon or volunteer in the youth department, nobody has the right, nor should they hijack the lampstand. Now, the same thing can, can potentially happen to a church as a whole. A church could light their lampstand and then give it away. They could give it away to a specific cause, to an issue, to a political party, to an agenda. And when that happens, regardless of the issue, and you think about all the issues that are out there today, it doesn't, you can name any one of them. It could be immigration, it could be sexuality, it could be abortion, it could be death penalty, it could be any issue that's out there. 
And if the church gives itself away to an agenda, to an issue, it ceases to reflect the glory of God because it becomes about that issue. Now let's pause and be clear. The church absolutely has its voice in any issue related to justice and mercy and equality and life and death. The church absolutely has a voice. Where the church has to be clear is that it gets its voice from the glory of God. And that informs one's position. For we indeed have to first reflect the glory of God in anything we're trying to accomplish as a community of believers. That's why God said, build it this way and place it right here so that it can reflect God's glory. And if anyone decides, well, I can build a better lampstand and I can place it wherever I want, that's when we get misguided. And that's when the glory of God is not appropriately reflected in our lives. So let's think about our individual lives. Great detail went into creating us, creating you in the image of God. And so think about the lampstand that is your life. Are you out of oil? Did you forget it? Did you forget where your lampstand is? Have you lit it but given it away to someone else or something else? Do you even have a clue how to build one? Do you even know what a lampstand is and can provide for your life? The truth is, if you live long enough, you're going to go through every one of those seasons of life. You're going to have the season where you have no clue what a lampstand is, what it can do for you, or why you even need one. You're going to have seasons of life where you run out of oil. You're going to have seasons of life where you forget where it is. You're going to have seasons of life where it's lit, but you've given it away. You're going to have seasons of life where it's lit, but it's run out of oil. And there is the beauty of sharing life and faith together. That's part of what we're here for. In those seasons of life, when you don't even know what a lampstand is, why you might need it, how you even start to construct one, we're here to help. In those seasons of life, when you run out of oil, we're here to help you refuel. In those seasons of life where you don't even know where your lampstand is, we're here to help you find it. 
when you have those seasons of life when you've lit it and you've given it away, we're here to help you get it back. See, that's the beauty of being a community of faith. Every one of our lampstands is going to be a bit different. And it's going to be in a different season of life. That's part of why God gave the detail. Because there are times we have to recalibrate, reshape, relight. And God gives the detail so we have something to go back to. And that's part of his word for us today. You know, Gate and Church, each of you individually. Let's light this as a reminder. As a tangible expression of the lampstand that is our lives. Our lives collectively and our lives individually. So here's the question of the day. Where's your lampstand? And what are you doing with it? Let's pray. God, we're just so very thankful that we can be a community of faith, that we can share in the struggles of life, that we can provide a community that allows us each to find our voice in the midst of the way that you have called us, but ultimately a voice that is indeed intended to reflect your presence and your glory. Our prayer this morning is that we each would allow ourselves to invite you into the detail of life that we can discover our lampstand. We can have it shaped by you and appropriately placed that we individually and as a community of faith can be reflective of your glory. The glory we find through faith in your son, Jesus Christ, who lived and died for every one of us. Amen.